people have been telling me lately that because the beauty and fashion space is so saturated, they're trying to find any other avenue they can in order to build this audience. And I've had some friends in the space tell me that they've had children so they can become mommy bloggers because there's a lot of money in that. My name is Eric Hundley, and this is Unstructured, where we have dynamic and formal conversations with some amazing people. Today, I have an Instagram influencer, but she also has a blog. That's extremely popular. So I'd say an influencer in general. Yeah. Adeletta. Advic, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. And thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you today and kind of dive a little bit deeper into this whole influencer situation. <laughs> yes, especially here. I could use all the help I can get. You were introduced to me from a mutual friend, Brett Allen, of formerly the Open Mic Podcast, and I believe it's now the Brett Allen Show. Yes. Because he's moving up the map and his name is starting to outgrow his show. And he... Couldn't say enough great things. I listened to the episode. He did a fantastic job. So if anybody wants to check that out, they really should. But I want to see if I can explore a little further with you. And from what I understand, you're going to start getting into our business. Yeah, I'm going to try to do this whole podcasting thing, see how it goes. A lot of people have told me that I have, or in some instances when I'm explaining a story, that I have this podcast voice and I can talk for hours. Trust me. So I think I can I can get some episodes together. <laughs> okay, good. And I'm assuming because you're known from your blog, you mentioned, I believe, in your interview with Brett, that you speak as you write. Exactly. So everything is very conversational, casual. It's really not formal. I never wanted to go in this formal direction. I just wanted it to sound just how I would say it, which is basically what I did with my friends. And that's originally how everything got started. My friends could really understand my writing just based on them knowing me. So now I have the like opposite that I'm trying to do with people online. I want them to see me and my voice as my writing too, but I, they kind of have to do it in the opposite way because they really only see me writing a lot. So I've been trying to do more videos so they can really get that personality across because I, of course, can't sit down with every single person and be best friends with every person who follows, but... I want to get to a point where they can see my writing and my personality basically jive together. And I wanted to bring up the fact that you could speak as you wrote because you almost walked a little bit into the trap of saying, oh, I can talk all day. And people will think that about podcasts. It's like, it's not quite that. There does need to be a, a direction. Right. Absolutely. I think you definitely need to have some kind of rails. Otherwise, you get off into the weeds talking about who knows what. And I, I've been guilty of, of doing that at times, but hopefully we won't hear. Now, you have a degree in psychology with a minor in business writing. Yes. Interesting combination. <laughs> it's actually a fabulous combination. And I'm wondering if you're familiar with um, Robert Cialdini. I'm not. Really? Okay. He wrote the book Influence, and it is probably the uh, greatest selling book on persuasion in history. Okay. He's a professor out of um, ASU. I know <laughs> but he, he wrote it in the 80s, and it's well into the millions of copies. And he breaks down the psychological principles of influence, like reciprocity, authority. And I had to ask, because he's a psychology professor, you studied that, you're in influence. I wanted to see if maybe some of these principles you were using in your day I job. should definitely read that book, because everything has always interested me about psychology, and, you know, when I was doing psych in college, people thought of it kind of like a communication degree, one of those throwaway degrees when you couldn't make up your mind about something more serious. Mm -hmm. And now that I look back, I honestly feel like I couldn't have done anything differently that would have made me better in what I do today. And before this, I was in sales. And I feel like psychology is so perfect because you really need to understand how people work. You need to understand empathy. You need to understand that everyone is going to have a bad day. And so it gives you this perspective that I feel like I've really benefited from doing what I do. And I, I'm really glad I took psych. But it's also just interesting to kind of, like I said, have that perspective of people are all going through their own battles, whatever it is, mentally, physically, emotionally. It's interesting to have that under my belt so I can understand that and then kind of helps me relate to people too. Absolutely. And also I would guess helps you share in a manner that would elicit empathy. Yes. 
Yes. And I, I always want to be careful because I, I'm actually studying all of this through the podcast. And I believe personally that everything from Zig Ziglar, the world famous salesman, to cult figures are just on a spectrum. Yeah. And the world of Instagram, the world of YouTube, I feel like that kind of falls somewhere in that mark. And there's honest players and less honest players. Right. Now, you're not exactly an overnight sensation with Instagram, right? Right. It's taken since, I think I started Instagram right when it came out. And I was blogging shortly after. So I can't remember the exact year. I think it was maybe 2010, 2011. Mm, okay. So it was... Right when it started, because I remember when Facebook came out, I think I was in elementary school, honestly, maybe it was middle school. And one of my friends just said, (laughs) I think one of my friends just said, oh, my gosh, we have to get on this platform. All the college kids are on it. And in my mind, I was like, why do I want to be on a platform with college kids? They're so much older than us. And eventually (laughs) they opened it up like you could be under 18, but it was 18 only for a while. So everyone lied and said that they were 18 so they could have this profile. And I think Facebook or Instagram, that was Facebook. So Facebook kind of started that whole trend. But I mean, MySpace is really what started me in this whole thing originally, because that was the first platform that came out that was like, you want to have your friends and it really mattered what you posted and who you portrayed yourself as. And we kind of got to this more extreme with Instagram where now it's just sharing this picture perfect life. And it's really just a highlight reel of your life. And that's what a lot of people forget is that it's not always real life. There's so many people, and I know I said this on Brett's podcast too, but these kids are coming out of high school, they're coming out of college, and they want to be influencers. They have no idea that the life is not being on a yacht 24-7 and having these gorgeous photos in the south of France. That is really not realistic. That happens once in a blue moon. You're usually just at home behind a screen doing admin work, creating content. Like It is a hard day, and so it's just there's this misconception about what it is and how fabulous it is. And when you're actually doing it and doing it as a business, it's not as glamorous as you may think. (laughs) Now let's break that down for a minute because uh, it brings me back to the psychology and business writing. How long will it take you to put together the copy for that particular Instagram post? Because I imagine you don't just go, Oh, well, you know, went to the store. It was cool. Check me out. So for me personally, there are people who do very simple captions. That's just emoji, emoji, emoji. I have never been that person because I really do enjoy writing. And so for me, it really depends on what the photo is, what kind of mood I am in that week. Um, If it's trying to be funny, if it's supposed to be serious, um, something a little bit more serious, a little bit longer will take me a couple days to come up with. And something that's more short and just supposed to be like a quick joke or a quick, you know, so quick sentence or two, that could take me maybe an hour or two just to kind of think of something. But typically the longer captions that I write, those take me a couple days. And if it's something sponsored with a brand, that could take weeks because it's got to go back and forth, back and forth until we're all happy. It sounds authentic to me, but it also meets the brand guidelines. And usually I'm working with a PR agency. So those take a lot longer. And the lawyers come in. Oh my gosh, don't even get me started with the lawyers. I mean, I've been going through, so I've worked with some very big brands that have like four legal teams because they all have to review it. Everybody needs to make sure this company owns 50 other companies. It's very important that anything that's said about the company is has to be approved by multiple people because one lawyer, like one legal team is not enough, right? Those processes take months. So for me, it's really disheartening when I see people kind of turn away from sponsored posts because they have no idea the literal blood, sweat, and tears that went into creating that content, how many no's I had to go through in order to finally get that final approval of, yes, you are cleared to post this. This is good. This is approved by everybody. Everyone signed off on it. People don't understand that background. They think, oh, I sat here and I took a photo of me and my coffee and I thought of this caption in five seconds and here I am, 10,000 people liked it. Like, no, that's not how it works. (laughs) But ironically, that's how you have to make it look. Yeah, it has to look very easy, natural, authentic. I mean, it's got to look as easy as possible. (laughs) Which I, I find to be the most hilarious contradiction of all is... 
If it looks effortless, it probably took you forever with blood, sweat, tears, yep. everything else. Oh, yeah. And I mean, you're, you know, the Arizona heat. Okay. If I'm, people see a photo and they just think that I'm in a hotel, in a luxury hotel. It's better than a Florida heat. Okay. I can, I'll take the dry heat over the humidity any day. But when you're trying to change quickly, I'm usually changing in my car because we're going from place to place. Sometimes we're out literally in the desert or in like a place that's far away from anywhere else. It's really not that glamorous. We make it look glamorous, but the behind the scenes is hilarious. And I've actually had a friend up in Phoenix who did a photo shoot with her husband and she ended up changing in the back. She just put the blinds up, changed her dress. She left her dress tucked into her underwear in the back. So as she got out and walked <laughs> in downtown Phoenix, her husband was like, babe, your underwear's out. Like that is the reality of what we're doing here. We're like trying to change Sexy. and look really good. Yeah, it's like, uh, <laughs> that should be the photo that she should have posted. Honestly, I would have totally liked that and commented on that because that's real life, you know, not this oh, I'm somehow posed, my right arm is over here and the left arm is just, so, you know, it's that's real life. <laughs> and I think that's so relatable and hilarious. And I think that's where I kind of separate myself from a lot of other people is that I will tell the truth and I'll say, you know, I'm having a bad day or this is happening. And it's not necessarily complaining and whining. It's just, this is real, you know, not every day looks like this photo over here. Actually, let's look at all the bloopers I have. And it's just, my eyes are closed. My like, it's so much madness that actually leads to that one photo that could actually be acceptable. <laughs> but it's a lot of work. Have you thought about doing a documentary? Maybe I've thought about doing an autobiography, but a documentary would probably be better because then you can reel in your friends too. Yeah, and I could reel in the background, how I started, you know, the whole story. That would be a good idea. And I, I like how you mentioned the blooper roll because. I don't know who said this quote, but I think it's great. Uh, online, you're looking at the highlight reel, whereas you're living the blooper reel. Yep. Pretty much how I feel all the time. <laughs> Only, well, you're providing the highlight reel. I'm just, I'm just living the, the blooper reel. I mean, I live the blooper reel on Instagram stories, and I'm sharing the highlight reel on my feed. So I, I'm giving both. Hmm. <laughs> What's cool now? What I'm curious, which one's getting this stronger response? I think... Well, it really depends. It's kind of like a mix because I try, I'm kind of in this weird place where I want to be more high end and I want to move into these more luxury brands, but I also want to be relatable and I love Target and Walmart. So I, I don't know. It's kind of a weird mix. I think there's half the audience who buys designer luxury bags who really likes that beautiful photo shoot shot that I got by, with a professional. And then the people who are following me for my honesty on reviews and just me being real and being authentic and sassy and just telling the truth are the ones who really enjoy the story. So it's kind of a mix of both, honestly, but it's because I am in this phase where I want to cover a little bit of everything, but not as much of the lower end beauty and skincare products. So it's an interesting mix. Well, maybe that's where the podcast would fit in for you. Yeah, that could be that a good idea. You could use that to... Express like you just did right now about your friend and the craziness or, or whatever. Yeah. And it might be a whole different audience. Yep. And the we already have a title for it. So it's going to be called Get an Attitude <laughs> or Have an Attitude. I haven't decided if it's get or have. I think it might be. We'll figure that out. But it's basically going to be something along those lines and me just sharing that honest, raw, real truth about whatever it is, whether it's low the news that's happening you know whatever i mean a lot of people who follow me love bachelor and bachelor in paradise and bachelorette i know it's kind of an embarrassing obsession of mine as well but talk about that you know just in a very <laughs> sassy way and then cover actual news you know i want to have both serious and fun lighthearted conversations pretty much just covering all the spectrums and i also want to talk with professionals in different fields you know mm. maybe bring in a scientist i mean there's there's so many topics that I really want to talk about. But also, I think in the same light of something you mentioned earlier, I really want to learn from other people. And what better way than to bring people who are so much more educated than me in certain topics, like something right now that's really come up with me and my audience has been talking about hormonal health and this mm -hmm. idea of how all women are taking birth control and how it's really messing with our systems. And there are so many amazing people who are very well versed in this. They've written books, documentaries, etc. 
how awesome would it be to have somebody like that talk to me and then also provide this amazing resource to other people who are also in the same boat? Because there's a lot of people who are struggling with hormonal issues, you know, across the board. And this is why we see, you know, some of the issues related to miscarriages and issues with getting pregnant. And it's interesting that there's people out there who are experts and we never listen to them. And this reminds me of, uh, I don't know if you love Jim Gaffigan, but he's one of my favorite comedians. And he always talks about, um, he has this segment where he says, uh, um, someone is very judgmental. And when you tell them like, oh, we're going to XYZ doctor, he's a brain surgeon. And someone's like, well, is he any good? And Jim's <laughs> like, he's a brain surgeon. He went to school for this. And he went to extra school in order to, you know, be a brain surgeon. That's like the elite of the elite, right? And it's just <laughs> funny how we're like, well, are they any good? Like, of course they are. They're certified, you know, it's just... We're, we're very judgmental, even though the idea of, you know, going under for that is obviously very daunting, but it's just interesting oh, how sure. our perspective is like, well, are they any good? And so when you talk about these professionals and people say, you know, well, what do they really know? And everyone has different perspectives, you know, everyone will give you different advice. I could go to four doctors and they would all say something maybe sort of similar, but slightly different. So I kind of understand where people get this perce- perception of, well, do they know what they're doing? It's very interesting to me. There's the flip side, though. Yep. What do you call the person who graduates last in medical school? <sighs> Doctor. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so uh, just something to consider. Yep. Sounds like you are really passionate about the project. Yes. Yeah. I think it'll be a good thing. I, I feel like I'm better. I always felt like I was better at writing my thoughts than talking or um, filming or just speaking about it. But I feel like over time doing this and doing a lot of different press interviews and just talking to so many people, I've gotten to the point where I feel like I don't have as much time to write paragraphs upon paragraphs. I'd rather just talk to people. It feels more natural. You get your point across faster. We don't have to, you know, email back and forth. I just, I feel like communicating that in a podcast is so beneficial and the other thing too that I've really just learned about podcasts just from my own experience is that we're all always doing so many things. I mean, somebody listening right now is probably doing the dishes, trying to run a load of laundry. They're, you know, trying to order whatever they need on Amazon. People were such multitaskers that it's really hard to get people who are living there every day to have full undivided attention to you. And that's where I think YouTube is kind of an escape. It's almost like this replacement for TV. And then Instagram is just like an escape from, you know, during the day, you take a bathroom break, you're like, okay, let me check in on Instagram. So it's kind of like a quick fix. But I think for podcasting, this is where people are really listening for hours on end, whether they're going to work, whether they're, you know, able to use their headphones at work, whether they're just, you know, on a run or whatever it is, I feel like it's just better because you don't have to focus 150%. You can still do something else, which kind of makes people feel more productive and you're usually learning a lot from podcasters because there's so many interesting people talking about their particular um, areas of expertise that it just kind of blows my mind. I love just listening, you know. So you're a fan yourself? I am. Any any shows you want to plug? Oh, there's a lot. I feel like I've been dragged into this whole crime scene investigation situation. <laughs> so true crime, uh, serial has been a favorite. But um, I've been kind of dragged into this because everyone has been asking me, well, what do you think of episode three? I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. So then once I start listening, it's like, I can't, I can't listen to anything else. I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to know what happened. <laughs> so it's been a lot of crime, to be honest. But um, I listen to a lot of different things. I really just, uh, I mean, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but I did start a Facebook community page. So we're all just having great conversations in there. And so many people had all kinds of podcast recommendations for me, podcasts I've never heard of um, that are just very small podcasts. But there's a lot on the listen list at this point. So I need to find more hours. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes. And uh, you'll start um, listening at double speed and things like that. Yeah, that's true. I could actually listen to it a lot faster. That'd probably be a better idea. I I can't do it, though. Especially I meet other podcasters in person yeah, that have to be a mind warp. Every person I'd meet sound would sound drunk. <laughs> well, how are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> or they sound like they're on speed because they're just going so fast. You're like, wait, what are you saying? What's the conversation? 
Mm-hmm. Yep. I was curious though, especially because you're—I mean—you're wired in. You're a celebrity essentially in social media, which is as cutting edge as you can get. I didn't know if that might have influenced you because podcasting has kind of become a hot topic lately. Well, the reason, so I think for me personally, I've really tried to get away from just Instagram because I know at the end of the day, I don't own Instagram. I don't own that profile. I don't own anything related to it. So if Instagram, we know it's not, but if they decided to shut down their app tomorrow, I am no longer anybody. (laughs) So for me, I've tried to create audiences across the board, which is why I do spend time on Twitter. I am still on Facebook. I've really tried to put more time into YouTube. I always had my blog. There are multiple places that people can find me. And what I've learned from all of this is that not the same person follows you on every platform. The person who is watching this boring ass blog of me for like my week for 45 minutes is a very different person than the person who's following me on Instagram who just wants to see this curated feed really quickly, get inspired, maybe buy a bag, maybe buy a shirt, whatever. Two very different people. And I think the same for podcasts. I think it's a much more dedicated audience. People are listening in, but they're also wanting to learn something. And that's where I really feel like I can help because I don't really think there's a lot of podcasts that really talk about skincare and general health and beauty. And this is more in the curated side. So I really focus on reviewing beauty products and skincare. And I know some people think skincare is really hokey. You know, I had an old coworker who told me she used a body soap to wash her face. And there were so many alarms. I think my eyes started twitching when I heard that. But people are so set in their ways. And I think for me, I really want to educate people not to do that and why it's not a good idea to do that. And then talk about all the product benefits and how skincare has transformed over the last 20 years, um, just because that's kind of where my expertise lies. And then also talk about all the other stuff, you know, all the fun things that are happening, um, all the shows that we're all watching, you know, that type of thing. So there's definitely a, a mix that I kind of see happening. But I do think that podcasting is again, a very different audience from what I'm going to get on Instagram. Sure, maybe a couple people will follow over and listen to the podcast because they're just so invested. But it's just not everybody listens to podcasts. And it drives me crazy because some of my best friends, every time I've done an interview, I send the link to them and they're like, sorry, haven't listened to it. It's like, literally my best friend since the second grade, like I know she supports me. I know she loves me. But she does not want to listen to a podcast because she would rather call a friend and talk on the phone with them than listen to a conversation between two people. So I get kind of both sides. But for me, it's like I need another alternative platform. And I do want to talk and communicate in this other way versus just writing captions and posting photos. I think there's definitely a lot of power to that. So I really do think people have been trying to add podcasting and I've heard a lot of people wanting to work on their YouTube channels because they know Instagram is controlling the lives of a lot of influencers and we really just can't do that. We need to not have all of our eggs in one basket. And I think for me, the beauty of it is that I will have several thousand people follow me to whatever new thing I'm trying at any given time. And I can start with some kind of base. I don't have to necessarily start from zero. And I think that makes most ventures for me a little bit better and a little bit easier to just say, I'm going to do this because I know that X amount of people may follow me. You know, I have my dedicated, loyal people that I talk to every single day who DM me, who ask me what I'm buying, what I'm sharing, like they're very invested. And so I know that they'll follow and I'll start with maybe a thousand people or 2000 or whatever, but it makes it easier to say, I'm going to go commit my time to this, knowing that I do have a support system. And I know some people who start, they're just like, okay, I'm starting a YouTube channel tomorrow. (laughs) And that's how I originally started. It took me years to get to 10,000 YouTube subscribers. And people just don't understand how much time it takes to build this audience. Oh, sure. And quick note, my wife doesn't listen to my podcast. I interviewed uh, three thriller authors and the majority of them, their spouses didn't read their books. So you're in good company. Yeah. I mean, my my fiance <laughs> is not a social media person. So when you said that in the beginning, I was like, yep. 
probably sharing that same wavelength because he's more private. He doesn't want his photos out there. He's kind of behind the scenes for me. He's the one taking my photo, but he doesn't want to be in the photo. And I think over time, you kind of learn to accept that. Like the, the people that you love the most in your life may not necessarily be interested in the things that you're doing to a certain level. And I do think, and this has taken me years to get over, you know, because I think seven, eight years ago when I first started and I had zero followers and then my friends, my like 30 friends that I had in college were all following me and paying attention. When I got out of college, when I started meeting people in the real world in my corporate life, they were just not interested in anything I had to say outside of work. And for me, that was a tough pill to swallow because I thought in my mind, if I know you in real life, why would you not go and support me in this endeavor that I'm doing? And I've just realized that we're, we're all very short on time, but we're also, most of us are pretty selfish and we don't want to take that sure. extra time and go, you know, go attend an event to support a friend or, you know, go do this or go follow this or listen to this for an hour. It's just a lot to have people to commit to that. And I understand it now, you know, eight years later, but in the beginning I was like, I don't have any friends right now because nobody will subscribe to this channel, you know? And I'm sure we've all struggled with that a little bit. And I, I do have a lot of friends in the blogging side now who say, you know, my best friend of 20 years never was interested and it was because she was jealous or whatever, whatever it is, it just really doesn't matter because there's so many people out there who are willing to support you and actually create a community and collaborate with you and talk to you. You don't need the people who don't want to be there. You don't need to force people to be there for you. If that makes sense. I try to be a little more charitable for a couple of things. One, you're in the community. I mean, you look at YouTube, you listen to podcasts. Yep. Most of them suck. That's the truth. That's true. And most content out there sucks. It's true. So now you have a really close friend and they're doing a thing. You love your friend dearly, but every podcast you've ever heard suck. So they want you to check out their show. Well, God, what if it sucks? Then I'm stuck and I can't say anything. I don't want to make them feel bad. Uh, if I don't listen, then I don't have to actually deal with them. That's true. Good perspective. So I, I don't know if that works or not, but I do try to just, I don't know. Um, Oh God, my memory is just terrible today. It's too many of the IPAs, <laughs> but um, there's a principle to never prescribe to malice that which can be explained by ignorance. Never prescribe to malice. Yes. That's exactly it's a what Hamlin's it is. Razor. Hamlin's razor. People are Sorry. afraid of what they don't know. So for them, they just, it's better not to even try to invest the time to get to know it. It's easier that way than actually learning it and understanding. Well, also they may just not like the show, like you said. Yeah, they might, or they, they fear that they won't. And then they're stuck in what is really an awkward situation yeah. because you love your friend. Now, if you're a real friend, are you going to say, well, eh, it's not quite my thing. Or you're going to say, oh, that's nice. And then you're going to say, well, now I'm feeding them up and setting them for, up for failure. Or, you know, I mean, there's a thousand problems right. that can sometimes be avoided just by going, oh, oh, I didn't check it out. I'm a jerk. I'm sorry. Yeah. And it's weird, but it actually could be a kindness. I've never thought of it that way, but you're probably right. I think for the most part, most of my direct friends have always said, sorry, haven't had a chance to listen to it. I'll catch up when I have a chance. I'm like, cool. Right. That may never happen, but at least I asked you and at least you gave me a somewhat honest answer. Right. And also it's kind of nice too, because especially you're steeped in Instagram. I, I'm sure that you wouldn't mind spending a day with somebody and not talking about social media. <sighs> I mean, I usually don't talk about social media with a lot of my friends unless they bring it up. I there's so there's also this weird stigma about it because like I said, people think it's really easy. They think it's so fun right. and like, you know, they're talking about their hard day at work and their boss is such a jerk. And for me, I'm like, well, I'm my own boss, so I didn't I didn't have that day, you know? So I try to keep quiet <laughs> because I have it really good and I recognize that. And so I don't even want to talk about it unless somebody else brings it up because there's always someone in the group. And this happens every time there's a group discussion or like it's a group dinner or whatever, where someone's like, oh, Ada, how's it going? Like, I saw you did this. You did this awesome interview. I loved your article, whatever. There is 
always one person who does not want to talk about somebody else's success or something that's happening sure. good for someone else. It's either because they're a one upper because they don't, it makes them feel like they're not doing enough. And I don't want to make that person any more uncomfortable in their own skin than they already are. So I will never bring it up. It's always got to be somebody else that brings it up in all honesty, because I, I don't want to make anybody feel bad. And I don't want anyone to think that I'm like, Oh my God, my life is so great because I don't really complain about what I do. It's just another day and I enjoy every day. So I don't, you're stuck yeah. between a rock and a hard place <laughs> because here's the reality. If you state, Oh, it was so awesome. I got to do blah, blah, blah. I'm a jerk. <laughs> but then if you say, Oh my God, I thought the photo shoot would never end. It's like a, ho a humble brag. Yeah. So you're, you're either caught by either you're bragging, you're not grateful or you're humble bragging. Yeah. It's always something. There's <laughs> always something about whatever I say. And it's interesting because, um, so my best friend and her, I think I was telling my best friend and her boyfriend about this upcoming trip that I had with this amazing skincare brand. And she was like, this is a work trip. You're like going to the spa. <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, I mean, that's with a skincare brand. Like, what are we going to do? You know, like we're learning about the product. We're doing facials. We're doing massages with the products. It just, it made sense that she's like, wow, hard day at work, <laughs> you know, and she says it jokingly, but I mean, that's really the perception for most people. They're like, oh, work trip. You're literally like eating fancy dinners and being wined and dined. And then, oh, you're getting a massage. Your life is so hard. Right, which is fair, but but to break it down because they don't completely understand. Um, yes, you are going and you are getting a massage or you're getting a facial or or whatever it is, or you're trying the product. You probably could return and say, okay, when you go get a facial, what do you do? Well, I sit there, I relax, I get this. Whereas when you do a facial, you have to say, okay, so why are you applying it in that manner? What are you doing with that over there? What is going on here? Yep. So you're not actually experiencing the relaxing part of it. You're actually analyzing right. it and asking questions because then I have to report back on it. Exactly. And if you do, did not catch a detail or you're slack on the details, then you're not going to get invited back for your next gig. Right. And that's the thing about travel too. And while I go to amazing places and I do go on these trips, it is work from sunup until sundown because everything around me is Instagrammable. Everything has to be photographed. I need all of these photos so I can recap what I've done and then share whatever I feel is most beneficial to actually share based on the trip or whatever it was. And so that's the other thing. I mean, so many photos have to be taken every time I travel. It's not just a vacation. Sure, people take a photo here and there while they're vacationing, but it's not to the OCD level that someone who does this for a living has to do it. And you've got to talk to a lot of people. You've got to talk to the hotel manager, restaurant manager. Like you've got to be talking and you're always on. If I'm frowning or they're like, I, you know, if I am, if I'm doing anything but smiling, we have a problem. <laughs> so it's, it's like being on all day and even longer because then you got to share it online too. So you're on for everybody everywhere around you. It's, Kind of a weird thing, but yeah, I mean, it's got to stay. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. Yeah, I just want to go and frown in my hotel room at the end of the day, but sometimes I can't even do that because, you know, we're out and we're doing a dinner till 11 p.m. And again, it's super fun. You meet a lot of people, but it's just a lot sometimes. And I just usually will have a full inbox, especially when I travel and I go back to my room at like 11. I can't, I literally just pass right out and then I wake up, I do it all over again. And it is exhausting. It's not like we were lifting weights for 15 hours, but it's a lot to do that mentally and be on for so long and then not be able to get to your inbox and do some of the content in the moment. It's a lot. Do you have help? Yes, I do. And I, I don't think a lot of things would get done if I didn't. But in the beginning, I mean, you know this too, in the beginning when you start, it's just you. Over time, mm -hmm. you start to you know, figure out, okay, who do I need to add? So the two girls who help me pretty much every single day, I talk to them more than I talk to my mother. Um, they're probably very sad about that too. But um, <laughs> Haley is kind of my day-to-day. -day. She's here in Tucson with me, so she can come and help me um, style pieces, test products, get boxes out because I do a lot of giveaways. So I'm all these products that I'm getting and just being inundated with are actually going back out to the people who have been supporting me. So we do a lot of that. 
Um, yeah, and she helps manage my the business side of things. She's technically the one negotiating deals and actually handling the inbox as well, and then coordinating deadlines for me. You know, doing a lot of the admin business side of things. And then Jenny is the one who helps me with social media. So um, she is the one who helps me create all my logos, images for every piece of content. And she helps me respond to comments, like comments on all the platforms. Mm -hmm. She creates my pins for me. And she gets all my posts ready to go. So a lot of my content has to be approved. um, And then she'll push it once it needs to go live. So she'll schedule everything out for me once it's all approved. So between the two of them, Um, they're pretty much helping me every single day on something. And then, um, I have other people who are kind of involved here and there, which is, um, a web designer, a web developer for my website. Um, and then they kind of help with business cards and other things that require a designer. Um, Mm -hmm. trying to think, obviously an attorney and an accountant, the two musts, I feel like for what I do. And then sure. I know I'm missing someone. Oh, photographer. Duh. No. So we, I've tried the agent route many times and now I'm not fully committed to anybody. So there's a couple agencies that I work with on a regular basis and they will essentially only take a percentage of the deals that they bring to me. So they're not taking like 20% of everything, which is what a typical agent would do. Um, and I think it varies 10 to 20% depending on who you are um, and how much money you're obviously bringing in and how much you can negotiate. But I don't want to go that route because there's so much that I've done in this space for so long and I have my own relationships. Those direct contacts from brands are coming directly to me. So why would I have somebody take 20% of that when I already have the relationship established? So So maybe a business manager would be more of an appropriate thing to consider later. So that's kind of what Haley's doing at the moment. So she's kind of like pitching out and then responding to all the inbound requests. So she's doing both inbound and outbound. And then, like I said, there's a couple agencies that I trust who pitch me. um, And if they bring me that deal, they'll take the percentage of just that deal. And I'm okay with that because if you bring me a huge opportunity, that's like a six to 12 month partnership, take, take 20%, you know, like you got me a huge opportunity that I didn't have the relationship or maybe they didn't send it to me because a lot of the times it's all, well, I shouldn't say a lot men. Most of the time it's better that someone else is representing you because unfortunately in the PR and um, just the influencer, like marketing PR space, it seems like people treat you better when they know other people are backing you and they know they're not going to mess with you. So sometimes when it's just me, they're like, Oh, she can do this for free. And then manager reaches out. They're like, she's definitely not doing this for free because she's got to pay the manager. So they already know you're kind of one step above and you're obviously serious because you got to pay the other people who are pitching you. And you could be the good guy. Exactly. I don't have to be the bad guy saying, no, can't take that deal. That's too low. Somebody else. (laughs) Yeah. And you can even say, oh, no, uh, my advisor said I can't do that. I've pulled that many times, you know, (laughs) I pulled that many times. I'm like, my team and I. My lawyer said that I just that that won't work, and oh, he's he she's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> but I gotta follow. Like I gotta listen to them. We're under contract, you know. I've done that many times when uh, a brand is like, "Well, why won't you work with us for this amount?" I'm like, "You're asking for the world and my firstborn child, and I'm not doing that for that amount of money." And then I just blame it on my team. I'm like, "My team thinks it's a bad idea. I gotta listen to them." <laughs> Yeah, it's just, it's just not a fit. Yeah. Now, I, I wanted to go back. You had mentioned the people helping you, and one of them helped you determine on how to respond to comments and and social media. And I'm very curious about this, and I'm sure that some of the audience are as well. As a podcaster, my social media presence is a rounding error, but I make it a point of answering every comment. Yep. If, if somebody comments me, I will comment back, et cetera. How do you deal with it when you're at scale now? Do you have a triage principle? What do you do? So all direct messages that come to me, I respond to them. Um, every single one, except anything that's just very disrespectful in whatever right. way. If it's just like, 
you're nasty B or you're, you know, you're ugly, like stuff like that. That's just dumb. You know, that just gets exactly (laughs) delete block next. Um, and then there's creepy people. Um, usually it's guys. It's really, I don't think I've ever had a creepy. Well, shocking. I mean, (laughs) there was one girl who did DM me once and she said that she had like seen me somewhere and that she wanted to come up with, uh, come up to me and like punch me in the face. And I was like, okay, that's a little creepy. Glad you didn't, <laughs> you know. Um, but it's usually guys who are just saying like sexual things. And I just, again, block, delete, next, just move on. But if there's right. a good, what, everything else basically gets responded to in some way or another. I'll either like it um, just so people know that I saw it. If it's just like, oh, looks cool, like, there's not much I can say to that besides, yeah, but why even do that? So I'll usually just like it. Um, but then if people are asking questions, which is most of the time they're, they know a lot about my life and they'll say, you know, yeah, you, you have been seeming like you've got less energy lately or, um, you know, they'll, they'll make some kind of assumption and it's coming from a good place and I'll always respond to that stuff. But I think for the majority, they're all really good and I always respond to them personally And then what Jenny helps me with is basically responding to comments on the photos. So she helps me do that. And then she also helps me with engagement, which basically means I need to go and go find similar accounts. So these are my colleagues, people that I've met on trips before, people that I've interacted with. Us commenting on each other's photos is boosting the algorithm for us. So she helps me actually comment as me. And we've kind of gone through this process of, Okay, so these are my 10 really good friends. We got to make sure that we always comment on their photos because they are actually my friends. And I want them to know that I support them. And it's the same process with them. And so she helps me do that. And then I think the most time-consuming thing is just going through. Some photos obviously do better than others. Like you'll have one photo that's got like 2,000 likes. Then you'll have one that has 10,000. And the comments are kind of scaled in that way too. Um, just because the photo is performing better. So she helps like every single comment and then she'll help me respond to, um, the questions. I always have her respond to like questions. If someone says, you know, what size is that? Or where can I get that? Like those are actual business opportunities that I need her to get on right away. And then if someone says like, you look so pretty in this dress, I'll go and deal with that like down the road. So some of those comments are a little heart bit emoji like, or something. exactly like heart <laughs> emoji or like, thanks girl heart, you know, just so people are still understanding that there is like this back and forth type of thing. And some of my really responsive followers are always online. I swear, because every time I'll respond back to their comment, they like ask another question. It's like a thread going back and forth. And so for me, I know that they're there and I want them to know that this is an open conversation. Like, let's talk back and forth. It's not just me like talking out and never responding once people actually comment back, which um, is one of my biggest pet peeves in this space because there's so many girls who are very popular and they are just on Instagram. Okay. And that's a separate, that's like not a long-term smart business decision. In my opinion, you need to be elsewhere but they'll have 400 comments on their photo, which is amazing. Okay. There is literally no response to any single comment. And I'm like, you, this is your job. Okay. Without these people, you are nobody. You need to respond to them. They're asking questions. And then I, when I see someone saying like, can you send me the link to this? I'm like missed business opportunities, send your affiliate link through. They obviously like the shirt. It's just doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like a good Business and while they're there, they might decide to buy the uh, power drill for their husband. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I I used to do reviews on sports watches and and different things like that, and I'd get some weird affiliate stuff coming back. It's like, oh, well, while they're on Amazon, I guess they got their other stuff in the wish exactly. list. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it starts this whole snowball effect of affiliate sales, but you got to respond to people in order for them to use your link, you know, and that. It always drove me crazy. So I'm glad that you know that responding to all of it is really a good thing. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, you reminded me of something. I was listening to another guest in another interview, but he was talking about how people will kind of play like they're important. Oh, I don't know. You know, I don't know if I can make it or whatever. Well, he had an opportunity to go to Jay Leno's garage, which is kind of a big deal. Jay Leno's a 
very big. Right. And he's bigger than and all his this garage is insane. I'm not a huge like I don't know my way around a lot of cars, but listen, I would go. <laughs> right. Well, the funny part was he called and Jay Leno picks up the phone. <gasps> oh my gosh. So his point is. If Jay Leno, who can do 260 spots a year, flying around the country, doing comedy, is one of the biggest names out there, he can answer the phone? You probably can, too. Exactly. That's exactly how I feel. And um, two guys in the space that um, are really influential in that way. I mean, Gary Vee is amazing at this. He actually responds to people's comments and messages. He's very vocal. And I think... That just shows he is one of the busiest guys on the planet. He's got like 55 businesses. He's got a team of 40 just creating content for him every day. That's how he has so many videos and so much stuff going right. on. If he can come back and comment on people's stuff, and I know his team is still helping him, but he's very vocal. Like they tried to um, start this whole influencer program. He literally sent a video to every single person personally saying like, welcome to my influencer group. I really want, I'm so excited for you to send you these shoes and my new wine and this and this. And I was like, if he can make this video that's three minutes long for just 40 people, everybody should be <laughs> responding to these comments on their, like on their feed because he's got, he's actually an entrepreneur. The bottom line is most influencers are on Instagram. That's not sustainable long-term. I mean, Sure, maybe Instagram will be around for another 10, 15 years, but there's going to be other platforms that come through. And really, at the end of the day, you want, again, it, it kind of brings me back to like my corporate life where nine to five, I'm working for somebody else. And that's just, that's what most of us do. But when you have your own business, like you got to think about other business opportunities because you can spread yourself further once you add more people on your team and you have this opportunity to do more of your passions. And so, when I see a lot of these influencers just like, oh my God, I'm not getting enough likes on my photo. I'm thinking long-term, what's going to be in 10 years from now? Are likes even going to exist? Who cares? You know, like you should be starting your next business beyond Instagram because that, that just, you don't own Instagram. You have no control over it. Whereas if you start your own business, whether it's a makeup line, a skincare line, whatever it is, like that is yours and you can grow that and you can build that audience there. And I just think so many people are very short-sighted when it comes to social media thinking, oh, I'm this big deal on Instagram. I'm like, listen, nobody's a big deal until you have your own business and you're actually doing something with this audience and actually influencing people because there's people on there not making any sales, you know? And it's like, what are you really influencing at, at that point? And thus you're getting into the podcasting business. Exactly. Which is your own platform. Yep. Which is like your blog. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I see problems personally with Instagram. And I mean, one, Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg's moving over there quickly because Facebook's dying. Right. And the, oh, well, the founders of Instagram are out. They're gone. Yep. And the issues I have are the one thing that bothers me most, and I see it as pure corruption with Instagram. You have to have 10,000 followers before you can use share a link. Right. The swipe up. Yeah. Yep. So guess what? What is that in fact telling people to do? Buy fake followers to get to 10,000. Right. Mm -hmm. So the program itself, the platform itself is corrupt. Yep. It's saying you have to do this in order to do yep. that. And that right there... Mm, makes me feel like, yeah, it's not long for this world. I think the biggest thing that a lot of creators have been talking about lately, especially with all of these algorithm changes, they're adding so many stupid features. I mean, some of it is good, but there's this, this one that was basically creating a group chat, which you could already do. Okay. You could already have a group chat. Now they've created this, you create a question and then people can join in the group chat. And I'm like, I'm already doing like this. Yeah. It's like, yeah. So if, if I said, who wants to talk about skincare today, click this and you're going to all be joined into a group chat. I'm like, we're all already doing this anyway. So they're adding stuff that isn't really giving more benefit to the platform. It's kind of confusing people because that's what happened with uh, IGTV. Everyone's like, what the hell are we supposed to do with this? Like we already have YouTube, you know, and it's confusing because you have to watch it and hold your phone and it hasn't really taken off. But the thing is, and the thing I've realized with Instagram, and I'm sure most people know it, this in the back of their minds, they're just not actually acting on it, is the more that you create on the platform and the more you keep people on the platform, the more Instagram rewards you. So if I was creating mm -hmm. an IGTV video every day, if I was doing what Gary Vee was doing, I would probably mm -hmm. have like 2 million followers by now. 
but I don't have a team of 50 people helping me create content every day right. and I can't do that. But you've got to think about it from that business side. And that's where, again, I go back to people, you know, complaining about likes and complaining about, you know, nobody's seeing my photo. I'm like, well, you're not really spending that much time on the app. They're really rewarding the people who are keeping people there for longer because that's more money for them. It's a business at the end of the day. If you post once a week, what are you expecting Instagram to do for you? You know, like whether you have a million followers or 20,000 followers, it doesn't really matter because you're not consistent on there. And I do think that they will. My prediction is that they're going to go to this like subscription situation where if you're a creator or if you're a shop or if you're um, some other kind of business, you have to pay a subscription fee in order for your audience to see your posts because right now or you'll be boosting them or like Facebook or that's the other thing is that really where they want us to take this because boosting our posts. I mean, if I boosted every post a thousand dollars, I'm sure I'd be doing way better, but, uh, do I really want to spend the money there? I don't know. I mean, I don't think right, it's going to have to get the vendor to spend it through. Right. You. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I, I do think that they want a lot of this money. And I do think that a lot of people are making millions of dollars basically by posting on their platform and they want a piece of that pie, but there needs to be a better way to get there because everyone right now they're reaching like 10% of their audience. I have almost 700,000 people on there and I can't reach them. I, if maybe I could reach more if I posted five times a day, but again, <laughs> scale, I can't create that much content in a day to sustain what Instagram right. wants me to do. And so I do feel like you're absolutely right with what you've said is that the rich are getting richer on Instagram and the people who have been slaving away, trying to do things the right way are now being not rewarded with all these changes. I mean, the fact that it's, it's a curated feed, it's just like Facebook that sucks. It should be the chronological order that it originally was, which made it so special because you saw everybody that you were following. Now you don't. Yeah, it's weird. It's kind of come full circle. Um, Twitter sort of had the rep as being a cesspool. But in many ways, I think Twitter's the cleanest. I agree. I think Twitter doesn't have as many issues as all these other platforms. People just go on there and then they basically complain about Instagram. <laughs> like when Instagram was down this year, there were, I think, the first Instagram down was just like, oh my God, will it ever come back up? And that was the day where a lot of people were realized they have no control over this platform. You know, we were all checking our phones. We're like, is it working? Is it working? I didn't even realize I was checking my phone that often, but it's like, I'm messaging people back and forth on there. I'm commenting back and forth. I'm doing a lot of business in there. And so I was like, oh my gosh, if I would get so much more done in my day, if I didn't have Instagram, you know, to some degree, it was a good thing for us. But also people just, it's completely, you feel completely helpless, especially for, I'm in this Facebook group with a lot of other bloggers who are focused on affiliate sales and everyone was just like freaking out because they had either sponsored posts, there were sales going on that day that they were counting on making X amount of money based on how much their audience typically buys. I mean, it was a panic because when it doesn't work and that's really how you make your money, what do you do? You tell them to go to your blog that you haven't posted in five years? Mm, likely mm. no. So that's why I think it's so important to stay on track with all the platforms. And I do have that Twitter audience. And I don't use Twitter as often as I should. But I also don't really want to go on there and just see all the news. I know that that's really like where I go to catch the first wind of news. Like I've been kind of tracking the hurricane in Florida through Twitter because I feel like that's where it's going to happen first. You know, if there's any updates, it's on Twitter. So there is that element there, but I do agree with you. I think it's definitely been a lot cleaner than some of these other platforms that just want to make a buck. Yeah, it is. And it's funny because it has such a, a horrible rep. Now to wrap things up, since we've kind of beat the hell out of Instagram, <laughs> what would you recommend for somebody who is crazy enough to want to get into the influence game? So this always gets me because... It really depends on what your goals are and what your passion is and what you want to do long term. I don't think that going this route and investing all this time and money into this avenue to get free things or make some money is a good idea because it takes a long time to get to the point where you're actually going to make some money. And that's the misconception. People think that, okay, overnight I have 100 followers, I can make $50. 
nobody sit down. <laughs> it's taken hmm. most of us at least two to three years to build an audience. And you need an audience in order to have brands work with you, in order to make affiliate sales, in order to even be signed up for these platforms. So it's a long-term game. And I just don't think that you should go in it for the money. There's got to be some kind of passion that you're also pursuing. So I think that bakers and chefs and business owners and people who are just experts in whatever it is that excites them, whether, I mean, it can be anything. People are like, well, I like gardening. I don't think anybody wants to read about gardening. There are thousands of people who want to read about that because I mean, more likely than not, people are also interested in that somewhere in the world. And why not be the resource for them if that's something that you're passionate about? Now, the space is really saturated in the beauty and fashion side, but there's still room for people who are very, I think you have to be really talented or you had to have started a long time ago in order to do well today. And there are some overnight successes, um, people who break through and kind of create this cool idea and then it goes viral. Um, some of those have happened, but it's rare. It's really rare. You really need to be passionate. You need to be an expert in whatever it is that you're writing about. And you just got to be yourself. And it's not going to be an overnight success. It really never is. And the people who we think are overnight successes probably worked a long time to get... Averages 10 years. Yep. I mean, I honestly didn't <laughs> know about Drake and his career before he became this huge rap star. I was like, oh, it's like he became a success overnight. And people were like, honey, no, no, he's, he's been acting. He's been trying to like get this, his music career up for years. I had no idea. So likely, I mean, people think, oh, this person came up overnight. Probably not. Probably a lot of work. Oh, yeah. And survivor bias. <laughs> yep. I think that's the other thing too, is um, if you really want to do this, anyone can do this. Okay. Anyone can. The idea though, is that if you want to make this a business, you have to be passionate. You have to stick with it. And you just can't go in it thinking you're just going to get free clothes and be on a yacht all day. Like that's not what it's about. It's really about, it's a lifestyle, but it's also a business and you have to be relatable and realistic unless you're just promoting, you know, super high end stuff that a lot of people, it's not attainable, but I just don't think that people go in it for the right reasons in my opinion. And honestly, this may shock you. This may not. I don't know. But people have been telling me lately that because the beauty and fashion space is so saturated, they're trying to find any other avenue they can in order to build this audience. And I've had some friends in the space tell me that they've had children so they can become mommy bloggers because there's a lot of money in that. And I'm like, your priorities <laughs> oh are so messed up if you are bringing a child into this world uh. to make money off the child. I mean, that's just disgusting to me personally. And I get a lot of these things. Like if I had a kid tomorrow, yeah, I'd start talking about strollers because that's my life. But I would never go in it for that right. reason. It's I wanted to have a kid because i am <laughs> got to take care of somebody for 18 years. <laughs> it's a big responsibility. So it's, wow. I mean, it's so to that point now because people are just trying to make money and they want to be these celebrities and these stars and they're like what can I do well everyone loves a mom and everyone loves baby pictures and I'm like you're having this baby for Instagram are you serious like that's the world we're living in today is what's it going to look like on Instagram because if it doesn't look good there why am I doing it and that's just like a very sick mentality and I saw this sticker that I absolutely need to get my hands on um, that people have put on the back of their phones, which it looks like it's um, like a medicine bottle, but it says social media is very bad for your health. So it's like red and white, kind of looks like um, Tylenol. Oh, a cigarette warning label. Yeah, it looks like Tylenol, but it says that. And I'm like, I need that sticker. And so does pretty much all the world. <laughs> well, on that delightful <laughs> note, um, people can find you at attitude.com. And that's A-D-A-A-T-U-D-E. Yes attitude.com and attitude on Instagram. <laughs> well, fantastic. And Hey, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure chatting. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, please consider subscribing for free. And I mean, for free, it is always free. There's no billing, anything else. You can subscribe in your player of choice, which is probably right in your hands or you can go to unstructuredpod.com, and there are plenty of links there. 
Thank you so much. And in the spirit of sharing, here's a couple more shows you may want to check out. Hi, this is Kara Mayer Robinson, and I host Really Famous. I interview A-list celebrities. I dive deep because I used to be a therapist. This is what Tim Gunn said. I just have this antipathy for the judges. I can't stand being in the same room with them. Tim Daly. If you're not working in L.A. and you're an actor, there's no worse place to be. Michael Rappaport. I changed schools every year from the third grade to the twelfth grade. Disruptive was my thing. Chaz Palminteri. I knew something was going on. I said, I got to talk to somebody. It's Really Famous. It's like eavesdropping on a therapy session. Laughter, tears, celebrities, newsmakers, anecdotes, and recipes. Wait, I was wrong. They don't do recipes. You can't hear food. Join host Randall Kenneth Jones, a man who is not the original cowboy in the village people, and announcer Susan C. Bennett, a woman who is the original voice of Siri, every week on Jones.show, a podcast so accessible its name is a web address, www.jones.show.